2 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 out of the message translation. And uh, we're going to step into this message today. Hey, if you're in the chat rooms, let us know who you are and where you're watching from. Stay engaged. If wherever you're at in your homes, grab your families, grab your notepads, take some notes. I believe that God has given me something today that I believe is really going to help us as we move forward and uh, navigate through this season of life uh, here in uh, almost September. Can you believe it? Almost September. But I really do believe the, the last part of this year is going to be the best part of this year. So 2 Samuel chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. It says, sometime after this, the king of, of the Ammonites died and and Hanan, his son, succeeded him as king. And David said, I'd like to show some kindness to Hanan, the son of Nadash, Nahash, and treat him as well and as kindly as his father treated me. So David sent to Hanan, or sent Hanan, condolences regarding his father. But when David's servants got to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite leader warned Hanan, their head delegate, do you for a minute suppose that David is honoring your father by sending you comforters. Don't you think it's because he wants to snoop around the city and size it up that David has sent his emissaries to you? So Hanan seized David's men and shaved off, shaved off half their beards <laughs> and cut off their ropes halfway up their, their buttocks. There's some funny stuff in the Bible if you'll read it. I want to read that again just to make sure you, you don't miss the point here. It says, Hanan seized David's men, shaved off half their beards, cut off half their robes, halfway up their buttocks, <laughs> and sent them packing. Verse 5 says, when all this was reported to David, he sent someone to meet them, for they were seriously humiliated, offended. King told them, I want you to hear this. The king told him, David told them, stay in Jericho until your beards grow out. Only then come back. Stay in Jericho until your beards grow out. And only then come back. Father, bless the reading of your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Those on the other side of this camera, those that are in this room, God, help us to move forward today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Today, I want to talk about the, the other virus, a harmful, corrupting influence that is doing more to destroy lives than what we probably are even aware of. I'm going to give you the name of this virus right up front because we already see it in this story. So here it is. It's called, are you ready? Come on, get ready. Here, here's the virus. It's called offended. Offended. Now, I know I'm taking a risk here, and you might be tempted to turn me, turn me off, and I would never know it. At least in your, if you're in the building, I get to see you walk out. Um, so I know I'm taking a risk by letting you know what we're talking about, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, that surely isn't my problem. This is a big waste of time. Maybe I'll just go fix breakfast or wash the clothes or get on to my life. But 
before you get offended and turn me off with my subject matter, I feel like I need to shout something out loud to you. This could save your life. Come on, this could save your family. I feel like I need to declare it. I feel like I need to shout it out loud that this could heal your life. This could heal your family. Come on, you need to hear this. This could this could be the subject matter that actually restores your life and restores your family. This is what I need you to know. This virus of being offended tries to infect your life for the sole purpose of stealing your love, the love we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Why is it trying to steal your love? Because the enemy knows that nothing in your life works without the God kind of love working in your life. The enemy of your life is out to steal the love that God has put in your, in your heart. Um, we can see now what I'm talking about in the verses that we've been reading the last several weeks. And I want to go back to them because God showed me something this week that I, I really didn't catch in reading in, in the past few weeks. And, and uh, it's going to show us what I'm talking about, bringing something else to our attention concerning this virus that I want to talk about. In Matthew chapter 24, you remember, Jesus is, is uh, talking to the disciples, and the disciples ask him, Jesus, tell us when the end of times is going to, to take place. When, when are you going to come back and catch away the church? And so Jesus begins to give them the signs of the time, the end times. I mean, kind of when you go out, I mean, everybody's kind of thinking, man, with all this smoke and all this craziness, it's like, is this the end of the world? And that's what the disciples are saying, Lord, tell us when the end of the world is coming. And for those that don't realize that there is an end of the world, that will come and Jesus will come back and catch away his church. And so he begins to give them the signs of the end of the world in Matthew 24 verse 6. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation. I think it's important to point out again that that's not talking about governments. That's the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnicities or races or groups of people. He says, here's a sign of the end of the world that the races or groups of people will rise up against one another. And then he says kingdom against kingdom. That's your governments there. And there will be famines and pestilence. Pestilence is a plague. A virus is a plague. And earthquakes in various places. We kind of get all of that. But then Jesus drops down a few verses and he begins to talk about some other things that's going to take place at the end of the world. Stay with me. We're going somewhere today. He says this in verse 10, and then many, that word many means majority. So if you have a majority, that's at least 51%. He says, then many will be offended. Now, here's what I need you to understand. I was, I was praying and I was studying, and I, I felt like the Lord was challenging me that, that I wasn't seeing this like I needed to see it. And I kept hearing this word on the inside of me that this is a progression. And so I began to do word studies, and I began to research and look at commentaries. And sure enough, scholars and theologians tell us that this is actually a progression. It's a step-by-step -step condition. And Jesus says that many first will be 
offended. Hello, virus. And then they'll betray one another, and then they'll hate one another. So an offended person, according to this, will eventually betray, betray, and then that betrayal will lead to hatred. Then Jesus goes on to say, he says, once they're offended, once they begin to betray, and then they become, become hateful, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Deceive many. Well, who are the many? The many who are offended. It's, 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 it's them that are going to be defend, deceived. So Jesus says it starts out with just them being offended, and then they start betraying, and they start hating, and, and then because of that, they open themselves up to deception. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, when we hear about false prophets, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. We think about preachers, don't we? We think about guys like me behind the pulpit. But Jesus in his writings in the Gospels was very clear that he called false prophets uh, sheep uh, or wolves in sheep's clothing. When Jesus is talking about false prophets, he says they're actually wolves in sheep's clothing, not wolves in shepherd's clothing. So, So what Jesus teaches us is that the deception won't come from the pulpit, the, the deception will come amongst the church people. How does that happen? They get offended, and they get into betrayal, and, and then they get mad, and they begin to hate, and then, and then, and then they begin to deceive others. They begin to gossip. They begin to tell rumors. They begin to spew their poison, and this big deception begins to happen. And, and God says, it's not just going to be a few. It's got to be over. It's got to be at least 51%. Wow. And then he goes on in verse 12, are you hearing me? And because of lawlessness, that word lawlessness means not submitted to the authority of God and shown by an open defiance, and because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I know that's a lot of Bible right there. I know that's a lot of teaching. But I want want you to hold with me because I, I believe there's something so important that the church might miss if we don't teach it. He says, and the love of many will grow cold. That word cold means will become lifeless, passive, or complacent. Now, it's easy to hear all of this and conclude that Jesus is actually talking, because we look at the lawlessness, right? We look at all the stuff that's going on in our world, and it's easy to conclude that Jesus is talking about our society out there. But Jesus is not talking about the society out there. He's talking about the church people right here that's in this gathering, that's hearing me. You see, Jesus is not talking about the society, and the reason why we know that is because when he says that their their love will grow complacent or cold, that is the word agape. We talked about this the last several weeks. In the Greek language, that is the God kind of love that you only receive when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are born again, the Bible says when you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, by the Holy Spirit, the love of God comes and is shed abroad in your heart. So Jesus isn't talking about the society and the world out there, all this craziness and lawlessness. He's talking about, no, it's going to happen in the church house. It's going to happen with the church people. Um, so, so here's what Jesus is saying. Let me just kind of su- summarize it for you. He says, a sign of my return is this, is that there will be massive believers offended, and the offense will lead to betrayals, and that betrayal will lead to hatred and deception, 
which will lead to lawlessness and the open defiance to God's authority. And the end result of all of that, which all started with being offended, will be that people, the people of God, their love will be cold. It'll be lifeless. It'll be passive. It'll be complacent. And it all started with this virus called offended. It's the other virus that you've got to be aware of. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 17, 1, he, says, he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying as long as you are alive, as long as you are breathing air, you will have the opportunity to be offended. Come on, has anybody realized that? Especially in COVID-19, right? Jesus himself said, it is impossible to live a life without offense or being targeted by an offense. Someone is going to say something to you. Someone is going to post something about you. Come on, have you figured this out yet? Somebody is going to do something to you that's going to hurt you, insult you, and try to shame you. It's just not possible to escape it. Escape it. It's already happened in your life, hasn't it? And the good news or the bad news is that it's going to happen again. And the good news is now you can defend yourself against it. We are all susceptible we're all vulnerable to this virus, this harmful, corrupting influence. Now, here's what i got to get you to see. This word offense here that Jesus says, it's impossible for no offenses to come. In the Greek language, that Greek word is scandalon. That Greek word means snare. It means decoy. It means lure. It is the bait uh, that a device or a trap will have. This is an old, ancient Greek word that describes what hunter, hunters would use to capture small animals or birds. Again, it's the bait device of a trap. The bait device of a trap. Let, let, me, let, let me help you. Um, I brought my trap here today, and uh, I want to explain to you what the Bible calls scandalon or offense. Because Jesus says it's coming your way. You better get ready. As long as you're breathing, get ready. It's coming. Somebody's going to post something. Somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to say something. Come on, church. We got to get ready. Got to get prepared. Got to get our antivirus out there. Come on. So, so here's my uh, here's my mouse trap. I brought it. We got some big critters up where I live. I mean, they're 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 so big you can put a saddle on them and ride them. Now that's funny. I don't know. I don't care who you are. That's some funny stuff. So, so, so here's the trap, and I'll, I'll bait it, and then I'll put it out there where, where I want to capture the animal, capture them, dead or alive. It doesn't matter to me just as long as I capture them. And what I'll do is I'll go get peanut butter. Now, you can put some cheese. That's some peanut butter. That's peanut butter with the peanuts in it because it's not peanut butter if it has no peanuts. It's just, it's just butter. <laughs> I'm funnier than you're carrying on anyhow. But anyhow. It's hard to see you out there in, in TV land. But, but so, so put the peanut butter on, and, and right there, right there is the, the lure. Right there is the bait. That peanut butter with all those peanuts, that, that is the attraction that wants to pull me in. That is what the Bible calls offense, that, that, that it's a lure, that it's attractive, that it's, a, it's the bait that Satan uses to pull us in. What, what's, what, what's, what's the purpose of this trap is that, is that if I knew that was a trap, I'd never touch the trap, right? But I want the peanut butter. I, I, want, I, want, I want the cheese. I, I, want the, 
I want, I want the bait, and that bait part is the part the Bible calls the offense. What the, the purpose of the trap is, is that you come and you get the, if it works here, TV, but it works here. Oh, okay, see? And, and the point is, is accomplished because it caught, it caught dead or alive what we we're trying to catch dead or alive. It captured, the point of it is that this was lured in, this was captured because of the, the bait. Now, um, the offense, hear it, is the bait. It's the enticement. It's the lure. It's the cheese. It's the peanut butter that Satan uses to capture you, to, to capture you, to, to control you. The offense is the bait of Satan to capture you and pull you into his cap. And Jesus says, hey, it's impossible for, for, this, for these offenses or this lure or this bait not to come in your life. And the tendency is, is to go after the bait, to go after the offense. And if you do that, you're going to get captured because it's what Satan uses. He baits your life to control your life. And the moment you take the bait is the moment he controls you and captures you. Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. Notice what Paul says. He says, God's servants are to be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility. Why? Correcting those who are in opposition or offended. So God says as ministers of the gospel, hey, we need to be patient. We need to be gentle. We need to, be, we, we need to have humility as we're helping and correcting people, those people who are offended, so that they may know the truth and come to their senses and escape. Here it is, the snare of the devil. See, they were captured by the offense, and now the enemy used that snare, what, having been taken captive by him to do his will. See, the enemy uses the lure, the bait, the peanut butter of an offense to get you to go after it so that he can capture you and then, and then, and then hold you captive to do his bidding or to do his will. So when the offense has come, you have to make a de decision. Will you take the, the bait and become offended because that's what happened. How do I know if I take the bait? I'm, I'm offended. And once you're offended, you're captured by the enemy, and now he uses you to do his will. So you're, gonna, you're going to have to make the decision. What are you going to do? You're going to take the bait and become offended by the offense? Or are you going to resist that? You know, in the story we just read, here is David. He's king of Israel, and he hears that one of his old friends, King Nahash, has died. It was one of a, a, a king that had been very kind to David, and so David sends some of his men to console and comfort Hanan, who's the son of, of Nahash, who's going to be next in line for the throne. And all David wants to do, hear it, he wants to just show kindness. He wants to just show honor to a nation that is grieving. But what ends up happening is that the people around this young king convinces David, convinces him that David's men that are there, they're not there to show kindness, that they're actually there to spy out 
the land and take advantage of the situation to possibly gather some intel so that later on they can come back and, and, and they can invade their land. So David's men are now being falsely accused. And so King Hanan, the new king, takes David's men, he captures them, and he, he, he shaves off half of their beards, and then he cuts off the backside of their garments so that their buttocks were exposed. Now, you ought to be thankful that this is not an illustrated sermon right now. But this is some funny stuff right here. And we're going somewhere, and you need to hear this story because it's put in the Bible for a purpose. Now, understand that, that every man in those days, especially um, in, in the Middle Eastern uh, thinking and the culture, your beard was a big thing. It, it, it represented your, your manhood. It was your identity. It was the maturity and authority of your life. It, it, it represented dignity and, and your honor. So this has absolutely offended them. It's offensive that they would have half of their beards cut off. And then we all get this. I mean, what if you're walking around with your buttocks showing? We, we understand that this is absolutely humiliating. Their rear ends are showing. This is, they, they have to be offended. So, so understand that these men now, these, these are David's mighty men. They're, they're not, go study. They did some great stuff in the Bible. They're not wimpy men. They're mighty men. But they don't have their swords. They didn't come to fight. They are on a peace mission. They're there to console. But these guys now have been humiliated. They've been offended. I'm telling you, they would have rather been beaten. They would have been rather been knifed or wounded than to be shamed like this. And now these half-bearded men with exposed rear ends are sent back home packing, as the Bible says, and they're disgraced, and they're degraded, and they're dishonored, and they're completely humiliated and shamed, and they are, hear it, they are offended. And so these guys are about to get back home, and David hears that they're on their way, so David sends out his servants before they get home to meet them and tell them, don't come home. No, don't come home. I need you to go to Jericho. That's what he tells them. I need you to go to Jericho, and I need you to go back there until your beards grow back. David is saying, I need you to go to Jericho because in Jericho, your beards are going to grow back. We're going to send some seamstress over there to Jericho, and we're going to stitch up your backside, and we're, we're going to cover your rear ends. And here's what I need you to hear today. This word Jericho is an important word because in the Hebrew language, Jericho means sweet fragrance. So David is saying, he's giving them this instruction to these offended men, these offended guys. Here's what I need you to do. Don't come back home. Go, go to Jericho. Go to the sweet place. I need you to be sweet. Hello. And here today, the instructions for them is the same instructions for the church in 2020. I'm here to tell you, what are we going to do with the bait of Satan? We're going to go to Jericho. That's the instructions for all those who have been offended. Come on, on the other side of this camera. For all of those who have been offended, hear your instructions today. Go to Jericho. Go to the sweet place. When somebody offends you, when somebody has wronged you, Go to Jericho. Go to the sweet place and stay sweet. 
Come on. I'm telling you, if you go to Jericho, your beard will grow back. Come on. Your hind end will get covered. Your dignity will come back. Your respect will come back. Your honor will come back. No, don't get mad. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Just go to Jericho. Go to the sweet place. Hear it and just stay sweet. Wow. Just stay sweet. You know, one of the hardest things to do in life is what I'm preaching right here. One of the hardest things you'll ever do in life is, is to stay sweet when they're talking about you, when they're lying about you. And I've lived long enough to, to know that's just part of the journey. Jesus is right. It's impossible for people not to say nasty things about you. It's impossible for people not to talk about you. It's impossible for people not to cut half your beard off. It's impossible for people not to expose your backside. It's one of the hardest things in life you'll ever have to do in that situation is this, to stay, is to stay sweet when, when it's possible to get offended. I've come to tell somebody today, go to the sweet place. Go to, the, go to the love place. Go, go to the agape place. Come on. A person will say, yeah, but pastor, I get that. I hear that. But you just don't know what happened to me. You don't know what they did. You don't know how bad I hurt on the inside. I'm here to tell somebody. I'm here to save somebody. I'm here to, to help restore somebody. I'm here to tell you, but if you don't go, to the sweet place, it's only going to get worse. There's help in the sweet place. There's healing in the sweet place. Come on, there's restoration in the sweet place. Don't, don't take the bait. Don't be captured by the devil to do his bidding in the earth. The sweet place, go to the sweet place. What is a sweet place? What, what does that look like? It's the place where you employ the love of God instead of your hate, instead of your offense. Let me quickly give you three things as we begin to wrap this up. Three things that the sweet place is. Number one, it's a place where you forgive them. It's a place where you forgive them. Leviticus 19.18 says, forget about the wrong things people do to you. Seriously, Lord. And do not try to get even, really. And then God tops it off by saying, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Snap out of it. I'm, I'm the Lord. I'm in charge here. Ephesians 4.31 says, stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Go to the sweet place. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or even be rude. Hello. Instead, Go to the sweet place. Be kind and merciful and forgive. Forgive. That's the sweet place. Forgive others. Jesus said himself in Matthew 6, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Ouch. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> that, that's, that hurts. Ouch. Are, are you serious? If 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 I don't forgive, then, then I don't get forgiven. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking to the cousins of Jesus in this place or on the other side. Maybe, maybe you've never done anything wrong. 
Has anybody ever needed forgiven forgiveness? Anybody out there in TV land? Have you ever needed the forgiveness of God? Come on, let me see your hands if you're here. Come on out the aisle. I see you bunch of scumbags. You, you all need the forgiveness of God. But if you don't give it, according to Jesus, you don't get it. As a Christ follower, forgiveness is not optional. It's what Christians do. Hear it today. The sweet place is a place where you forgive them. Number two, the sweet place is a place where you pray for them. <laughs> really, Lord? This is really getting tough. Matthew 5, says, Jesus, Jesus said this, your master, your savior, the head of the church, you know, the one that you get all teared up with when you think about him. This is what he says. He says, I tell you, pray for anyone who mistreats you. Really? Now, 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 now. I've, I've read the Bible quite a few times. I'm a student of the Bible. I never one time found Jesus saying, hey, hey, pray for your mother. Now, I'm sure it's, it's, it maybe is suggested, but he never literally says, hey, pray for your mother. We know we should pray for our mother, right? But Jesus doesn't say pray for your mother, but he does say, hey, pray for those that mistreat you. Um, I read that at times, and I thought to myself, my immediate response, okay, Lord, yeah, I'll pray for them. I'll pray. I'll, I'll, I'll give you bad. I'm, I'm going to pray for them right now. I'm going to pray that they have hemorrhoids by the end of, end of the day. I'll pray for them. And then I, I ran into what David said in the Psalms. He says, he says, when my enemies came at me to persecute me, he says, I prayed for them like they were my own family. When, when Jesus says pray for them, He's not, pray, he's not telling you to pray to curse them. He's telling you to pray for them like you were praying for your own blood. God, help them. God, bless them. God, keep them safe. Don't let no harm come to them. Come on, I'm just here to tell somebody you got to go to the sweet place. What's the sweet place? It's a place where you pray for them. Ask the worship team to come back. Did somebody hurt you? somebody abuse you? Did somebody do something wrong to you? Did somebody lie about you? Did somebody take advantage of you? Did somebody mistreat you? Jesus said, go to Jericho. Go, go to the sweet place and pray for them. Now, why would Jesus have you pray for them? Because your prayers may not change them, but your prayers will always change you. It'll change your heart, and instead of living in the anger and the hatred and the resentment, you'll find God's healing and restoration in your life. Let me give you the third one. The sweet place is a place where <laughs> it's almost hard to say it. It's like, really? God, this seems impossible. The sweet place is where you do good to them. No. No, are you serious? Luke 6, 27. But if you, Jesus saying, will listen, I say to you, love your enemies and do something horrible to them. No, that's not what it says. Do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. I've done this so many times. 
because I've had a lot of stuff happen in my life. I've had a lot of, 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 of baits out there that the enemy has put in my road. People that have hurt me, that I perceived have hurt me, and people that have stabbed me in the back. And I have learned that the scripture is true. I, I know some people that I, they just did us wrong, just did us nasty. And I load up our kids years ago in our car and go buy the biggest gift basket we could buy and, and take it to their home full of all kinds of stuff, cheeses. And, and then I would take it and lay it on the doorstep and I would ring the doorbell. I would give them their gift. I would do something wonderful to them. You see, I really wasn't giving them cheese. I was really giving myself some cheese. It's going to the sweet place. He says, do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When you are mistreated and harassed by others, accept it as, you mission, as, as your mission to pray for them. It's your mission. I'm here to tell you, that's the reason why you'll never hear me getting in this pulpit and, and talking nasty about somebody that's done us wrong, to try to cause problems in the church. I'm not going to assassinate anybody's character from this place. Well, I'm, I'm going to be nice. I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do something wonderful and let, let, let God deal with whatever he needs to deal with. Romans 12, 17 says, don't hit back. Come on, put that in the chat room. Come on, tell your wife today. Don't, don't hit back. Don't insist on getting even. Come on. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. If you see your enemy hungry, let him starve to death. No. Go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, give him. When's the last time you did that? Come on. When's the last time that when somebody has done you wrong that you went and bought them lunch? You went and bought them a drink. I See, we don't think that way. Why? Because we want to take the bait. We don't want to go to a sweet spot. We want revenge, and we want, we want them to hurt like we hurt. But I'm here to tell you, Satan's involved here, and he's luring you in to capture you and to control you so that you can do his, his will and his bidding in the earth. I feel this today. Come on, celebration. We're getting free today. Come on, we're not going to be susceptible to this virus. Come on. You see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. I'm just here to tell you, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you, you can't do what you want to do. You can't do what you feel. you got to do what the Word says. Some of you didn't even know this was in the Bible. That's why you got to listen to these devos, the devotions every day, because we teach the Bible every morning. It says you need to do good. Now, as I wrap this up, catch this. Don't miss this. This is the most powerful part. We're going to land this, this sermon right here. Don't miss this. This is telling us if we'll live our lives in the sweet place, the love place, that according to the verse I just read, God will take care of those unjust things. You didn't hear me. If I'll go to the sweet place, if I'll go to Jericho, if I'll do what the Bible tells me to do, instead of rendering evil for evil, I'll love them and I'll pray for them. Come on, I'll do something good to them. I'll forgive them. Then the Bible says if I will go to the sweet place, God will take care of the things that were done unjust to you. I want to read it again in case you missed it. Romans 12, 19. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. 
I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Woo! Man, I don't know if you hear that. I don't know if you're hearing that. But I gotta, I gotta remind you in the story we read, uh, David tells them to go to Jericho. David tells them to stay sweet. David tells them to go to a place where they can be restored and their beards can grow back and they can get their backsides covered. And while they're at Jericho, you know what happens? King David goes and takes care of business and wipes out all of the enemy. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm here to tell you, you don't have King David, you have King Jesus. And if you'll go to Jericho and you'll be sweet and go to the sweet place and pray for your enemies and do good for those who have hurt you, I'm here to tell you, you have King Jesus that will take care of business. Hebrews 10 verse 30 says, God has warned us, warned us, vengeance is mine and I won't overlook a thing. And God will judge his people. Nobody, hear it, is getting by with anything. Hear it today. If you'll stay sweet, not look for revenge, refuse to become bitter, refuse to become angry, refuse to become hateful, if you don't take the bait, hear, hear me, if you'll, if you'll go to Jericho, if you'll leave the judging up to God, the vengeance up to God and stay sweet, I'm here to tell you, God says nobody's getting away with anything. God says vengeance is mine. There's only two places where God in the scripture says it's mine. Number one, he says vengeance is mine. And then for those that don't really like this, he says the tithe is also mine. Don't mess with either one of them. You need to hear it today. Come on, God's helping us celebration. Come on, those that are online today, God is helping us. I'm here to tell you today, if you'll stay in the sweet place, King Jesus will take care of business. If you refuse to become offended, you watch, God will defend you. God will heal you. God will restore you. And God will bless you. Go to Jericho. Let your beard grow back. Let God fix the bad side. I just feel like I need to do it for the chat room. For those that are out there, maybe you husband, just lean over to your wife right now and say, hey, your beard's growing back. Go ahead and just tell them. Somebody in the chat room right now, just, just say, hey, my beard's growing back. I'm going to the sweet place, getting my hind end covered. I'm going to stay sweet. I'm going to Jericho. Uh, it's the instructions for the bait, the lure, the enticement of the offense that Jesus said would come into my life every day of my life. Celebration, we cannot afford to be an offended church with half beards and rear ends showing. Don't take the bait. We are a church, we are a people with hot, passionate love. The enemy is after your love walk. He wants your love for God to grow complacent. He wants you not to care about the things of God in your life. And the way he does that is he, he has a bait. He has an attraction. He has some cheese. He, he has some peanut butter. And he just brings an offense your way. And the moment you respond to that bait and take the bait, he captures you. And he begins to control your life. But not for me. And not for you. I make a decision today. As for me, in this house, we're going we to love. If nobody else does it, we're going to live 
our lives by the agape, the love of God. Can I pray for you? Right where you're at, in your homes, come on in those rooms, come on in that senior citizen uh, assisted living center there. Come on, mom, I'm talking to you and others that are in, in those, those places today. I, I pray for you in that loneliness where you feel all alone, abandoned. Come on, God is coming into that place today. Let's stay sweet. Let's not get offended. Come on, let's not gripe and complain. Let's, let's stay sweet and let God fight our battles. Come on, in that, in that prison today, in that jail cell today. Come on, all over this valley, in your homes, in the backyards, at, at parks. Come on, some of you are, are, are on vacation right now, wherever you're at. Would you just take a moment and just open your heart. Let's make some fresh commitments. We're going to do this thing. That, that, that we have been armed with truth today. And we understand there's the other viruses that, that that's destroying more lives than, than most people even recognize. And today we make a decision. We will not allow our love for God to grow cold. Father, I pray. I pray for every person on the other side of this camera. I pray for those in this room today. God, we make the adjustment. God, so many of us have been hurt, abused, mistreated, done wrong, lied about. But God, we're not going to try to defend ourselves and tell our story. God, we're going to Jericho. We're going to the sweet place. And we're going to stay sweet. And we're going to forgive. And we're going to pray. And we're going to do good to all of those that try to mistreat us. We will not take the bait of Satan because the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts, the agape, the God kind of love, is too important to let go through an offense. Because God, nothing works without your love. So I just pray today, God, that you would seal this word in the hearts and lives of people people would begin to fight that battle, to hang on to what God has put in their hearts, that we would rise up and that we would go to the Jerichos and we would go to the sweet place, that we refuse to become bitter, we refuse to become offended, regardless, regardless of what people do to us, Father. This is the way we fight our battles. And Father, as we stay sweet, we put it into your hands. Vengeance is yours. You're going to make sure God, whatever needs to be dealt with because you're the just judge, you're going to fix it. God, our eyes are upon you, and I pray right now, God, in the hearts of people where they have been hurt, done wrong, lied about, talked about, ugly things posted about them, God, I just pray that you would heal the brokenness, you would heal the hearts, that you would heal the pain. God, nobody wants to be mistreated. Nobody wants to be done wrong, but God, the truth is, is we have mistreated other people. We've all done people wrong, so God, we extend mercy. But today, God, over the family of celebration, I pray, I pray you would heal the hearts of your people. God, we go to the sweet place today. We guard our love. We go to the agape place today, and we allow you, God, to heal us and to restore us. I declare the beards are growing back. I declare the back parts are being covered. Come on, our best days are ahead. In Jesus' name, do you believe that celebration?
Come on, right in your homes, wherever you're at. Maybe change your posture. Maybe you've been seatless, sitting this whole time. Would you just stand with me? Maybe right in your living rooms, in your backyard. Some of you are barbecuing. You ain't fixing me nothing. I can smell it, though. I can see it. You should have invited me over. Come on, text me. Give me your address. I'm on my way. But wherever you are, would you just take a pause? We're going to close this last this, this service out with one last song. We're, we're just so adamant about this, that God does things in moments. Would you just take a moment and stop what you're doing, change your posture, change your position, and just direct your attention to God and whatever you need today as we sing this. I believe that God is going to get on the inside of your heart and bring healing to your life. I'm here to tell you, we can do this. We can win. Come on, we're going to the sweet place. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 